0: This is a wonderful place in Scripture to me. It is um, it is the reassurance of our faith. It is the reassurance of what it is that I've trusted in, believed in, is, is absolutely true. Now, it is combined with faith. Faith is very, very important. And to try to understand the Word of God. Try to have a knowledge of what is written in here, so that you can have an assurance of what you believe. But we've got to take into account what Peter did. I... I appreciate you all last week. I mean, I was gone for three weeks, and uh, it was so good to be back. I mean, so good to be back. And we went over kind of a review, a review of, of what we have been doing the couple first three weeks. And we talked about that, and we, and we reached into the very essence of, of, of what the promises that God has for us. And, 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 I'm, and I talked to you about realizing that Peter has written this book. If you would, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter has written his book for a purpose. He has a reason. The people in Rome, the Christians in Rome, were being persecuted. Nero was just burnt down the city, and so he blamed it on on, on Christians. And so they were being persecuted, so much so that they had to scatter from Rome. Well, it went from Rome that they were being persecuted no matter where they went. So Peter writes this letter to them to encourage them to to uh, let them know there is hope that, that that you're not just out there alone other people have gone through these trials and that that I want you to know Peter is saying to them that you even though you are scattered and and, and now you're in a place that was not your home it doesn't matter because you're aliens anyways by that he meant that this was not their home. Their home was in heaven. Our citizenship, as Paul taught, is in heaven itself. And so Peter is trying to drive home the point that these people, in, in, in spite of their circumstances, in spite of what their lives look like, there should be a joy within their heart of hearts. Now, I explained this later in the message this morning the first service, but I want to say this right now. I don't want you and me to be schizophrenic. I don't want us to think that, whoa, just things are going terrible for me here, and yet I'm supposed to have my joy here. How do I do that? Do I just forget about all of this and do that? And how do you deal with it? Well, Peter has an an ideal... purpose for us. I don't know that that's the right word, but he has an ideal way that you and I can look at it all. And even in the midst of our difficulties, whatever they may be, and don't make light of it. I mean, some of you are going through maybe just minor difficulties at this time, but and some major, but listen, it doesn't matter if it's minor or major. It's major to all of us who are going through whatever it is that we're going through. And Peter says, I want you to have hope. I want you to. Now, I forgot to say what I wanted to say when I first came up here, and that is I would encourage all of the ladies, I mean all of you, to go to Thrive. Uh, I've not been, of course. I'm not allowed. But, uh, but I, I know who teaches it. I know Karen Thompson, who is singing up here in the, with her son, uh, Brian. And she is an, am- she's an amazing, marvelous teacher of the Word of God. And she has a compassion for people. She has a great love for the, the people she's connected with. And ladies, I think that when you go to this, you're going to find that there is a real, a real gathering together of yourselves with one another. And there'll be a tremendous bonding, if you would, a, a, a comfort zone, if you would, with one another. So I, I couldn't encourage you more. At the end of September, every other Thursday, thrive. I would encourage all of the ladies to go if you could um, it is it, I, I, I've not been but I can only through Karen Thompson promise you that it's going to be a fantastic time just as Ashley uh, told you wasn't that precious her holding her baby like that I thought about that in fact I mixed it into the message a little bit this morning the, the the security of that of her holding that baby so tenderly yet so carefully and it's uh, the same way our Lord, cares for us and and holds us in his arms. I want you to read with me. We're going to take a look at verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. I I realize that last week I touched on these verses, but I didn't do them justice because there's so much to them. There's so much depth to verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. They are connected, as you're going to see, with verses 3, 4, and 5. Let me show you how I know. Look at verse 6 just for a moment. We're going to read in a minute. Just the first two words. Peter writes in this. Uh, let, me, let me stop there with you for, and encourage you about something. If you ever read your Bible and you get to a place where you're reading it, but you're not really hearing what you're reading. You know, you're just reading to get it done with so that you can say, well, I read chapter such and such today. I, I would encourage you to stop doing that if that's what you do. If you find yourself doing that ever. Sometimes you can spend a, a whole reading time on one verse and it'll be as enriching as, as, as reading through a whole chapter. I don't want you to go through something so quickly that you don't think of the words, in this, what, in what, in what, Peter? You should ask that question when you read it, when you, when you see something like that. When he says, in this, you should ask him, in what? Because he says, in this, you should greatly rejoice. What are we greatly rejoicing over, Peter? With that in mind listen again to verses 3, 4 and 5 and then we'll also read verses 6 through 9. Now you've read we've read verses 3, 4 and 5 a couple of times. It should be getting very familiar with you and you should just you should just stand back in awe of these verses. This is when we can really say how great how great is our God. Verse 3 Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is, catch it now, imperishable. It's undefiled. It will not Fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you, and it is protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So in this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith is being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though it's been tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy unexpressible and full of glory obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. Folks, that is a jump up and down, yell and shout hallelujah place in Scripture. Whenever you're feeling a little depressed about what's going on around you, whenever you feel that there's a time where you need the encouragement of the Lord, and you think, I wish I could talk to someone, go to First Peter, talk to Jesus Christ through the word that Peter wrote, inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, for you to read and to understand. These things he's written so that the outcome of our faith is the salvation of our soul. Now before I pray, I thank God for people that are coming here. There's, there's new faces, which is, uh, uh, for an old man like me, I don't remember everything real well, but sometimes I can remember faces, you know. And I see that there's some of you new here. We don't know if you're a believer or not. No matter. We love you. We thank you for being here. For those of you that I recognize, I can't even begin to express how much I love you. for coming here faithfully and trying to grow and helping us grow in our faith. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're sitting here, and you've come here because you're here, there's an old man that preaches the Word of God. And I, and he, he, boy, he's, you've got to watch him. He's, he's, I don't know what they say. <laughs> I, I, I just was making up a bunch of stuff. The only thing I knew I said was true is an old man. <laughs> the rest of it, I, but if you're here and you've been investigated, you want to find out what it is to have faith, we want you to understand it. We, we want to let you know we love you more than life itself. We love you. We love you because our Lord God says that we are to love one another. And he loves you with all of his heart. And he wants you to come to a relationship with him. I think if there's ever a place in scripture, if you listen to and you don't know the Lord, listen to this. Try to understand what he's trying to say to you and, and, and what he might say to your heart of hearts. Take away all the things of this earth right now and, and, and just center your heart on this. For those of us here that are going through deeper waters, some difficulties in your life, listen closely what Peter says. He's going to try to teach you and me how to have this, this salvation joy. This joy that goes beyond anything that you and I could ever hope or imagine. I, I pray that, that that will happen today. And so normally when, when you've been here, you'll know that I, I pray to ask the Lord to move me aside. That's not just words. I mean that with all my heart. I want God to speak to your heart. I want Him to speak to you so much that I can almost taste it. And so let's pray. We've just read the word of God. Father, would you please do just that? Would you open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, so that we might behold wonderful things that that flow from your law, the word of God that we just read. And Father, would you please move me out of the way so that I don't hinder what you want to say to every single one of us here. Each of us have a different need, a different purpose of why we are here this morning. We sang just a while ago how great you are. Father, that doesn't even scratch the surface. We, we, we can't even comprehend how great you truly are. But Father, help us to understand what that means when we sing it. Help us to understand what that means when we say the things of you that are good and, and that you would understand, Father, we're trying with all of our hearts to learn so that we can walk with you faithfully. As you so desire us to walk. And now, Father, we we ask that you'll take these remaining minutes, whatever it is that we have, and that you'll bless, just bless, each of us, Father, through the words that we are about to study and that you've given to us, Father. We pray that you'll bless us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, let's talk about the assurance of your faith. Uh, you know... Being secure in your faith is not such an important deal. That is, until you deal with the thought that you can lose your salvation, that that becomes really difficult, especially when everything around you just seems to be falling apart. You have that sinking feeling that everything that's falling apart around you is never going to get better. How do you deal with it? Well, that must have been the thought of the believers that were scattered throughout the Roman Empire when Peter wrote this very important book. And he needed to convince them differently that they they haven't lost everything, that there is great joy just right right before their, their very eyes, right within their very heart. I want to read to you a, a, a scripture that I read last week. I'm reading it again because... I've become infatuated with Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And I've become infatuated with it because it is, it is the very essence of what Peter is trying to say. It was an Old Testament truth that is as reliable in the New Testament as it is today. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines... And the yield of the olive should fail. And the fields produce no food. The flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. In in other words, there is nothing. Everything is gone. Next verse. Habakkuk says, Yet, yet folks, yet he says, I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. When nothing seems to be going right, yet and still, can you and I consider exalting and rejoicing in the Lord our God? Job, Job, who went through more than you and I will ever go through, puts it this way though He slay me. Even if the Lord, my God, would slay me, yet still I will hope, trust, love Him. That's what I want for you. That's what I want out of my life. I want to be that man that even though I'm going through something that might be difficult at the time, I want to still have my salvation, joy in the Lord. I want to still exalt in him the god of my your salvation you see salvation's joy is not some brief shallow circumstantial emotion it's not something that we call upon just to fool ourselves into thinking we're doing okay when in fact we're not no salvation joy is is something which is permanent something that is profound something that is sure true and the proof of it is what is written within these pages. The truth of what you believe, the proof of what you believe, is within the Word of God. And so, I picked a couple of, just a couple of, uh, of, of Scripture verses to just tell you about salvation joy. Two Old Testament and one New. Psalms 5:11 says this, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them forever sing for joy. And may you shelter them that those who love your name may, may exalt in you. That's Psalms 5:11. Psalm 16:11 says it this way, you will make known to me the path of my life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures Forever. Jude, the twenty-fourth verse says this: Now to him, who is able to keep us from stumbling, and to make us stand in the presence of his glory blameless, with great joy. You see, most mankind out there, these people out there, that some of them that that wouldn't, you couldn't drag them to church if you had to. They're just not going to come to church. They they find that we're a bunch of hypocrites and and all of that stuff and. And most of them rely on their happiness from positive external events. Something that happens within their lives that makes them happy, joyful. But salvation joy, the joy that comes without fail, not dependent upon circumstances or or what happens externally, that salvation joy is that deep-rooted confidence that you and I can have firmly planted within our faith given to us by a living God who who has given us his son Jesus Christ that's where true salvation joy takes root knowing for certain that you know this one called Jesus Christ do you the three verses that changed my life I want to read them to you it's in first John chapter 5 verses 11 13 some Forty-some years ago, I uh, asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. These three verses are what what tipped it over for me to where I, I did believe that I could believe. It says the testimony is this. This is the John 5, 1 John chapter 5 verse 11. Testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son, Jesus Christ. He or she who has the Son of God has life. And he or she who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you might, here it is, know that you have everlasting life. You see, I came into Christianity thinking I could lose my salvation. That was my deepest fear. Because I knew the type of man that I was. I was afraid that what I committed to the Lord, I could not follow through on. That was my biggest, biggest hang up. These things, we, God says, I have written to you in order that you might, you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you might know that you right now have everlasting life. Jesus told Thomas and the disciples that you and I are special. I don't know if you know this, but we are mentioned in the New Testament. Yeah, we are. Jesus Christ came after he was crucified, died, was buried three days later, rose from the dead, came and appeared to all of his disciples in the upper room. When Thomas wasn't there, when Thomas came, they said to Thomas, Thomas, you should have been here. We've seen the Lord. He's alive. And Thomas says, I won't believe unless I can put my hand, my fingers in his wrist and my hand in his side and I can see him for myself. With him making that statement, our Lord comes into the room and walks towards Thomas and he says, Here, Thomas. Here, Thomas. Look and see. In Thomas, we are told, in John chapter 20, fell on his knees and said, My Lord and my God. To which Jesus then said, Because you have seen me, have you believed? And then he mentions us. He says, Blessed are those who have never seen me and yet still believe. That's you and me, folks. That's why, that's why Peter writes verse 8 in 1 Peter chapter 1. Though you have not, we have not seen Him, we love Him. Though we have not seen Him right now, we believe in Him. And in that, we greatly rejoice with joy unexpressible, full, full of glory. So Peter now gives you and me, in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, a perspective on joy so that we can live triumphantly in the most adverse of circumstances. First, we read verses 3, 4, and 5 because verses 3, 4, and 5 build up to verse 6. Verse 3, 4, and 5 talk about our inheritance, which is imperishable. It's undefiled. It will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you and it is also protected by God Himself for us. It's secure. It's as secure as it could be. Therefore, verse 6 says, in this, in this truth of what you've just read in verses 3, 4, and 5, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, the word greatly rejoice in the Greek is A-G-A-L-L-I-A-O. It means to be abundantly happy. It is a happiness by its statement, greatly rejoice on circumstances. No, not on circumstances, but on the truth of God's Word. Jesus used that word rejoice, that word A-G-A-L-L-I-A-O. He used it on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. In a very interesting way. Listen to what our Lord said on the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 11, chapter 5. Matthew. Blessed, he says, are you when people insult you. Or persecute you. Or falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me. Blessed are you because they've done that. Because of me. If you've done things for me, blessed are you because of that. Verse 12, so Jesus goes on to say, Rejoice! Be abundantly happy! Be glad, for your reward in heaven is great! For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Agalio, A-G-A-L-L-I-A-O. It refers to spiritual joy rather than temporal, earthly joy. It always refers to someone's relationship with God. And the truth that he has given to you and me. And so rejoice. Though you've not seen him, you can love him. Though you've not seen him, you can believe in him. And in that, you should greatly rejoice. In other words, have spiritual joy. Furthermore, on that verse, since Peter puts greatly rejoice in the present active tense, it expresses the notion of a present ongoing happiness that is with you right now you have the right even in even in the midst of difficult circumstances you and i have the right now have the right right now to be joyful in the lord doesn't make us schizophrenic it makes us understand who we have in christ that this as he is telling, Peter is telling those he wrote this letter to, this is not your home. Those of you who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire a- area, he says, you are aliens because this is not your home. Your home is in heaven. Jesus says these words about his death and his resurrection and about joy. He says, truly, truly, I say, this is, excuse me, John 16:20. By the way, I was going to ask you this. Let me not forget where I am. John 16:20. Do I go too fast when I say let's go? Turn to a page and don't I don't give you enough time to get to it? If I go too fast, would you? uh, Everybody close your eyes. but Raise your hand. I don't want anybody to. This is (laughs) just raise your hand. If I go too fast, I do go a little fast. I'll slow down. I'll slow down. I think I go too fast. I get excited and I think I go too fast. How many of you think? How many of you think I go too slow? No. no. How many think I go too too long? I don't want to hear. <laughs> no, I don't want that. Nah. <laughs> Listen to J- John sixteen twenty. Jesus is talking about his death and his resurrection, and about joy. He says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, you're gonna, you will weep and lament over his death, but the world is going to rejoice over his death. You will grieve," he says, "but, but." your grief will be turned into joy. Why? Why? I think I found the perfect place to tell you and me why our grief will be turned into joy. Number one, He rose from the dead. But that's not what I wanted to tell you. Turn to John chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to wait a little bit. You know, Dr. Jack MacArthur never asked us if he went too fast. (laughs) I would have been, yeah. But he would have taken, I would have had a a few days to find some of those places. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He says in verse 2, in my Father's house are many, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Watch now. For I go to prepare a place for you. Now watch even more. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also with our Lord. Again, greatly rejoice. A-G-A-L-L-I-A-O. It's a spiritual joy over spiritual truth. In spite of what your circumstances might say to the contrary. Because you have the truth of God and His promises. So number one, we are to greatly rejoice over over whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Number two, in verse 7, we greatly rejoice because of what we possess as believers in Jesus Christ. We have a proven faith. in believers. As a believer, you and I have confidence in a proven faith because of what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross. So that, verse 7, the proof of your faith Be more precious than gold, Peter writes, which, he says, is perishable, even though, he says, it's been tested by fire. You have the proof of your faith, and it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though, he says in verse 8 again, let me say it over again, though you've not seen him, you love him, And though you've not seen Him now, you believe in Him. Therefore, greatly rejoice. Have spiritual joy. Because your faith and my faith has been proven by the life, the words that our Lord spoke, His death and glory be to God, His resurrection from the dead. Therefore, you and I have every right to rejoice greatly. Because we have the proof of a risen Savior that we believe in. Not only that, but forevermore, your difficulties, our sin, what we sin, will never separate us from him. There are many ways I could explain this, but I think the best is because we're looking at first Peter, is to look at Peter. Uh, Peter, he failed at Jesus Christ so dramatically, In Matthew chapter 26, in verses 33 to 35, Jesus said he was going to go, and Peter said, he vowed, he vowed, Lord, I will go with you, even if it's to death. I'm there. I'm your man. Count on me. Count on me. Soon after Peter made that statement, he denied Jesus Christ three times at our Lord's arrest in Luke chapter 22. And after this event, Jesus Christ confronts Peter. Peter had... Maybe this is right, and maybe it's not right. Let me just say it this way, because I think this way. I think Peter kind of gave up. I think Peter wanted to go back to fishing, because he didn't know where all of this was leading him, and he had just denied his Lord, and I'm sure that Peter felt beyond terrible. And they were fishing and Jesus Christ was on the shore and he, John, said to Peter, it looks like it's our Lord. And Peter jumped in the water and swam to the Lord. And when he got to the shore, after they had eaten breakfast, Peter and Jesus Christ sat side by side and and Jesus said to Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, even though he was the leader of the twelve, he lived with Jesus Christ for three years. He saw all the miracles he did. He saw and heard everything. But at a crucial time in his life, he failed to sustain his love and his trust of Jesus Christ and he denied him. And so Jesus comes to him and asks, Peter, do you love me? You know that Peter had to be hurting terribly, sitting there in front of the Lord, knowing that he had denied him. He had to be embarrassed beyond words. And so Peter, after the Lord asked him the third time, Peter, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, Peter did. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. That's in John chapter 21, verse 17. Those marvelous words from Peter to our Lord. I thought about myself and I thought about you at that moment. I thought about verse 8, though you've not seen him you love him, though you've not seen him you believe in him and even in the midst of difficulties that you might be going through, trials that might be overloading you at this time. You can love and believe in him because you have a proven faith. But I asked myself what I ask you this morning? Do you love Jesus Christ enough to follow and obey Him no matter the cost? I'll never forget some 40-some years ago when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and, and everybody that I knew of any importance around me outside of my family kind of cast me aside. I remember walking away and I was in Hawaii at the time and I've told you this story before. I remember walking away and saying, with as much faith as I could muster, Lord, if it's just you and me for the rest of my life, that will be sufficient. I meant that with all my heart. I can't tell you how many times that that statement I made some 40-some years ago has come back to, to lift me up in some of the worst times of my life. And so I asked myself the same question I asked you. In the midst of the difficulties that I might be going through, do I love Jesus Christ enough to follow and obey him? And the answer is resoundingly yes, I do. I do. I do. So I can greatly rejoice because of the proof of my salvation. Thirdly, verse 9. Why you and I can have this confidence? This love and this belief in Jesus Christ because of the promises He gives us. He says in verse 9, We obtain as the outcome of our faith the salvation of our soul. What else do you want? What would you give in exchange for your soul? There's something amazing about this verse that you and I wouldn't see without understanding the Greek language. Peter was not looking at the future when he says you will obtain a salvation. Peter was looking at a salvation that was right here and now. The word obtaining is a just a long Greek word. It's K-O-M-I-Z-O, M-E-N-O-I. It means... To presently, right now, receive something not over our own merit, but what our Lord God has done for us. We have obtained for certain the salvation of our soul right now. You are as saved right now as you're ever going to be if you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart. Flowing out of yours and my personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the salvation that has been given by and through God's most amazing grace to each one of us. Meaning that the present outcome of your faith and my faith is the salvation of our soul. Furthermore, this salvation of your soul refers to a believer's present deliverance from the penalty, the power, and if you'll allow the Lord God to to minister to you through His Word and through faith, the guilt of your sin. He'll take it away. How do I know? My hero Paul tells us. Paul kind of rides in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 saying, Here I come to save the day. It's Paul saying, Look, when you were dead, when you were dead in your transgressions, and you were dead in the uncircumcision of your flesh, watch, He made you alive together with Him, with Christ, and has forgiven us all. Not a few, not those that you've done, but all your transgressions. And how did He do it? Verse 14, He canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against you and me, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way He has nailed it to the cross. That's where our sins are. The blood of Jesus Christ has taken our sins, nailed it to the cross, and that blood has cleansed you and me from our sin forever. Forever. As far as the east is from the west, He will remember your sins no more. He has forgiven them. Not only does Paul say that in Colossians 2, but listen to Paul in, chapter, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, Paul says, There is now, not later, not before, there is now no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That's a promise that you have. There's really no reason for you and me to lose our joy ever again. I, I understand. I'm not schizophrenic. I, I've got some problems that I'm going through down here that I, I, I absolutely hate. I know hate's not a right word in the Bible, so I'll use a different word. I hate it very much. <laughs> I just I don't like it. I don't like it a lot. and It doesn't seem like it's going to go away. And yet I've, I've got joy in Christ. I've got the joy of the promise of what God wants to bring and give to me. I know when I walk away from here, I still have this one. I know that. I'm not crazy. But I can choose to find my joy in the Lord and allow Him to take care of whatever He's going to take care of down here. I'll take care of my joy in Him. I ask you to try to do the same thing. There's no reason for you to lose your joy when you can tap into all the present and future spiritual realities that are mentioned within this place in Scripture verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen to what Jesus Christ assures the, the apostles in John fifteen eleven. John fifteen eleven. I, I needed that. <laughs> These things, he says... I have spoken to you, hold on, hold on right here, so that my joy, now Jesus is speaking, so that my joy, His joy, Jesus Christ's joy, may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. You've got to understand that this is not a promise just for the apostles. This isn't a promise that's just for a chosen few. This is a promise that is given to every single one of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. His joy is in us, and our joy may become full. Now either that's true or it's not. I choose to believe it's true. So with that in mind, I want to close with this thought. I thought through what do I want what do what do I want what do I want to give to this church? What what Whatever time that the Lord God has given me remaining, what do I want to do? Well, I have a purpose. I have a, I have a purpose in my life. And that is to strive with all of my heart to help you and me to come to believe in these promises that we've just read out of First Peter. In spite of the trials that you and I might be going through, any, any persecution or any sufferings or whatever it is that you're going through, I want to strive to help you and me learn to deal with whatever they may be. And I know one very, very clear way of doing it. We'll learn more from Scripture. But Paul, again, Paul, he says in Ephesians 6.11, I want you to put on the full armor of God. I want you to do that so that you may be able to, may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Whatever it is that you're going through, I want you to know, beloved, and I don't say beloved very much. I must have read a lot of Dr. McGee this week. I want you to know, folks, who I love so much, that whatever it is you're going through, you have not, has not caught the Lord God off guard. He understands. Why you're going through it, Only He knows, really. But I tell you this. He wants you to find your joy in Him. He wants you and me to greatly rejoice in the joy of our salvation so that His joy may be in us and our joy may be made full. Now, in a moment after we pray, there's going to be some wonderful prayer warriors here that would like to pray with you. If if any of you here would love to ask Christ in your heart, and you're not sure what that even means, come and ask them. They'll be standing over here in this corner. And, um, or if you have any prayer request. And by the way, you don't have to name names or anything like that, and they will not. They will be very private with what they pray for you about. But uh, we would like to be a church that prays for one another, and so we are going to do that as a, as a principle. So let's pray first, and then if you want to go up there, you can. Lord, thank you for today. What a great, great day you've given us, Father. Warm as it is. Now I might say hot, Father. But it's a beautiful day. It is a day that you have made and we can rejoice and we can be glad in it. We can really rejoice. We can find our joy. Now, Father, would you please bless us wherever you might take us. Thank you so much for this, this wonderful day. I pray you'll bless us mightily, Father, all of us. And Father, let each person here know just how much I truly love them. In Jesus' precious name, amen.